of a series within a series. Uh, we have been, since the day of Pentecost, uh, a few weeks ago, we have been looking at specifically Pentecost and the work of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we began a new part of that series, specifically seeing how the Holy Spirit helps us to learn about prayer and what the Holy Spirit does during prayer. Last week, we uh, entitled the sermon, Act Before You Ask, to say there is uh, praise and confession and thanksgiving that really shapes then how we ask for what we ask for from God. It's not that asking is bad, it's just that when we put it first, we tend to have our own things in mind. When we tend to worship God, spend time confessing our needs, and then uh, giving thanks to God that the Holy Spirit shapes then what we ask for. How many of you tried the Acts method of prayer at least one time the last week? Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Yeah, good. Good. I hope you found that helpful. That is a wonderful tool. Keep using that. This week, I said last week, I want to give you something simple each week to help you. Because this week, I want us to look at how the Holy Spirit helps us when we pray specifically about evangelism. How can we pray for those around us and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us to share our faith with those around us? And next week we'll have one more. So today you'll want to have at least one little piece of paper because I'm going to ask you to write a few things down. And again, this week I'll invite you to, you can keep doing the Acts method if you want, but to try this as well as part of your asking at the end to ask God how to help you learn and know when and how to share your faith with someone around you. So, but first, let's let's return uh, to this prayer that we read last week and we really examined. I want to look at the last two verses of this prayer from Acts chapter 4. And we're going to begin at verse 29. It's just a few short verses. And so, however you get your Bible, whether it's in book form or whether it's uh, online on, a, on your phone or your iPad or, or however you get that, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 4. And we'll begin at verse 29. Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 29. We're jumping right in the middle of a prayer, right at the end of their prayer. So they're praying. Remember, they're celebrating that Peter and John have been let out of prison. And this is the very tag end of their celebration prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats. The threats of the religious leaders, the threats of the Roman Empire. Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Everybody say boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This is the end of our reading. This is the word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. Wonderful. Well, I want to start off our service with uh, some famous quotes Uh, Maybe you've heard them, maybe you haven't, but specifically in these quotes, there's a first part of the quote that um, 
kind of gets you curious or kind of draws you in or, or maybe doesn't seem to make sense until you read the second part of the quote. And so I'll give you a few examples here. Ready? So this first quote, it always seems impossible. You're kind of, what seems impossible? Um, always, that's pretty strong. It, it always seems impossible, but if you put on the rest of the quote, until it is done. This is by Nelson Mandela, who you know was in, in prison uh, because of uh, some of the things. He was uh, challenging apartheid, the separation of the races. And he was constantly told, it is impossible, it is impossible, it is impossible. And he says, it is always impossible. It's like he's agreeing with them. And then, until it is done. And we know it was done. Now, they're still working on it like we are, but it was done. Here's another one. Try not to become a man of success. Hmm? I mean, isn't that what we're supposed to do? We're trying to become successful. Uh, women, you can, you can uh, substitute woman for man. You know, Try to become a person of success. I just want to be faithful to the quote. Try not to become a man of success. Seems strange until you read the second half. Try to become a man of value. That's Albert Einstein. And so he's just saying success is okay, but if you never have a value, values shape, how you go about becoming successful. So there's something more important than just success. One last one, very famous. The only thing we have to fear. That gets your attention, doesn't it? It's like, oh, okay, what, what do I have to fear? What is that thing that I should be afraid of and, and secure? You can probably finish this for me, really. One, the only thing we have to fear is what? Fear itself, right. And so that's Franklin Roosevelt. And so he was challenging. There was a lot of fearful stuff coming at him after Pearl Harbor and what was going on in the world. And, what was going... and he says this great line, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Now, I want to take you and what's going to shape the rest of our, our service here uh, out of Scripture is a quote by one of my favorite people. And I'm going to just give you the first half. We're going to see in how that goes through the, the, the rest of our, our time and that before I give you the second half. Okay? Does that sound fair? Let's look at the first half of this quote. What if is the beginning of every fear? It's one of my favorite writers, Dallas Willard. He said the, that what if is the beginning of every fear. And that's true, isn't it? I mean, if you, you know, when you get afraid and, and somebody's, or somebody's presented something and it scares you a little bit, you're like, what if? And you just tick through all the things that could possibly go wrong, right? We do that. What if is the beginning of every fear? And it was true for the early church as well. They were gathered. They, they began to see what was going on in the world. They had been called by Jesus. They had been given the Spirit and they had been sent out into the world. But the truth of the matter is, is they were just regular people. I mean, Peter, their leader, was just a fisherman. That was his training and background. And so I I can just see that they might be thinking, what if we don't have what it takes to spread the good news? I don't have education. I didn't take public speaking. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm just a guy who works with my hands. I'm just a mom. I'm just, I'm just a simple person. Even in that age, I'm just a servant to someone greater. I'm a soldier. How are we going to do this? What if we don't have what it takes? They were also not just regular people, but they were under persecution. They could be asking a lot of those what if fear questions like, what if they wipe us out? 
What if they come and get us in the middle of the night? What if they take our kids from us and separate us because they think we're just crazy with this belief in resurrection? What if they come and use weapon? What if they come and just lock us in a cell and leave us to die? What if, what if, what if? Are you feeling that? But they're not just regular people and they're not just under persecution, but they were people with very little means. We didn't, they didn't have the cathedrals and the great buildings back then. They, they met in homes if they could. Sometimes they wound up having to meet in the catacombs where they put dead people because that was the only place where it might be safe for them. What if we don't have what it takes? What if we can't take this message to the ends of the earth? Jesus told us that we would be His his witnesses in Judea and Samaria. Well, that's easy because that's walking distance. But He said out to the ends of the earth. How are we going to get there? It costs money to go on a boat. There's very few roads. And there's tolls on those roads. How are we going to do this? Do you catch the what if is the beginning of every fear? Now, truth of the matter is, is that you and I have these same fears when it comes to sharing the good news. When it comes to that good news message, we have some of these fears. Now, maybe it's not for life and death and all those kinds of things, but we have these fears. And so I want to bring your attention to someone. His name is Kevin Harney. He's a pastor out in Northern California. He was a speaker at our M19 conference back in February. And he has a book which our men's class is going through. Are you guys done with that book now? You have one more chapter. So, sorry, you're, you're late. Uh, late to the party. But you can still read the book. The book is entitled Organic Outreach for Ordinary People. Sharing the good news naturally. Not trying to memorize and work, work yourself up, but just in natural ways. And I think he does a great job of addressing some of our what-ifs. We're going to look at two of the ones he addresses today. The first one, he says, uh, one of our what-ifs when it comes to sharing our faith is what if I lack the power to reach out effectively? Now, you can take that as an individual. We can also apply that as a church. What if we lack the power to reach out to others with our, in our faith? What if we lack that power to reach out effectively? And Kevin goes right on to give you some good news. Are you ready? The good news is that you do lack power. That doesn't sound like good news, does it? But you do. Let me let me let you hear his quote. The Bible presupposes that we lack the strength, the power, and the boldness to reach out effectively. You are not alone if you feel your lack, that you lack the energy or boldness to share your faith. In fact... You are in good company. Jesus told his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the answer for our what if is that we must rely on the Holy Spirit That when the Holy Spirit, and we are participating with what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do, we learn about through prayer, through times of quiet, through reading the Scripture, when we participate with this, then we begin to see that we will have the power to proclaim boldly. We're going to look at that. We have an example, though. We have an example in Peter. 
Peter, if you go back into the Gospels, you will see that before the Holy Spirit was given to him, when he was questioned about Jesus, what did he do? How many times? Three times he denied Jesus. Does that sound like a person of power? Does that sound like someone who is an on-fire evangelist? No. But on Pentecost Sunday, when the Holy Spirit fell upon him, we see in Acts chapter 2 that Peter stands up. This uneducated fisherman stands up and delivers a sermon, the very first sermon of the Christian faith, and he delivers it with clarity. He delivers it with power. He delivers it with boldness. And 3,000 people say yes to Jesus on that day. We have another example of it, and we just finished it. They were on their way into Jerusalem, and they healed a a man. And then he was called. They were brought in. They were persecuted. They were on trial with the same men who crucified Jesus. And the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit fell upon him, and he spoke boldly to them. Now, they didn't convert. But he was unafraid. And he spoke with clarity. And he spoke with courage and they were released and that's where we picked up the story so you see it's not the good news is you don't have that power within yourself dave you have to wait for the holy spirit to be on you and when the holy spirit and you are working in sync you will find those moments those opportunities to share with a friend or a family member or someone that god brings in your path that's good. Let's, let's move on. Uh, because maybe uh, this is why the people in our passage were praying for boldness. They knew we're just regular people. We're, we're under persecution. Uh, I'm not sure if we have much means to do this. We know then that we need boldness. We need to be able to speak with boldness. And they begin to proclaim boldly. I want to ask you a question this morning. When was the last time you prayed for boldness or effectiveness in sharing what God has done in your life. That God has saved you. That God has helped you. That God has set you free in Christ. When have you done that? Now, I know that word boldness kind of scares us. You, you think preaching the Word of God boldness, and all of a sudden you're, you're thinking of some guy with a, with a big old Bible, and he's pounding on it, and he's on a street corner, maybe he has a bullhorn, and he's looking angry, and he's shouting at people. Maybe he has uh, the sandwich board on, and he's telling you to, to turn or burn, that God hates certain people. And you're thinking that's boldness. Well, that's a certain type of boldness, but... Not necessarily the boldness that they're talking about or praying for. You see, the Greek word there is the word perisa. Can you say perisa with me? Ready? One, two, three. And what it means is freedom in speech. It means speaking with clarity and effectiveness. It means speaking with openness. There's no fear involved in it. It means speaking without ambiguity. You can just talk and everything is clear and it makes sense. And there's freedom and you're not afraid and you can just stand right where you are and declare the goodness of Jesus. That's the boldness they were praying for. So let me ask you again, when was the last time you prayed for boldness in your speech? When was the last time you prayed for parousia? All right. That's what we're looking for. Let's, let's move on to our second what if from Pastor Kevin Harney. And 
And that what if is, what if I don't know what to do next? Or who to share with? It's an important question. It's a big what if of fear. I don't want to look incompetent. I don't want to look silly. Do we have an example of, of what this is? Again, relying on the Holy Spirit is absolutely crucial to know what to do next and to know who to talk to. I want you to see in Acts chapter 16, if you have your Bibles open, go ahead and, and flip a few chapters there and get to Acts chapter 16, verses 6 and 7. I want you to see something here that I hope will set your fear to rest. That the Holy Spirit is more concerned about people hearing about Jesus than you could ever possibly be. And so you can rest in that. Your goal is to pray for boldness and to be in touch with the Holy Spirit. We see here in an example of Paul. In verses 6 and 7 of chapter 16, we read, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the borders of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to do so. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. They thought they wanted to do it. They had the, the desire to go and share the good news. And they were going. And for some reason, the writer of Acts says the Holy Spirit kept them from going there. So if you're worried about doing the wrong thing, but you're staying in touch with the Holy Spirit, you don't have to worry about that. Those doors will close. There will be something that prevents you from doing that. It's not God's time. It's not the right right area. Maybe your your heart's not ready for what questions they're going to ask. The Holy Spirit will lead you where the Holy Spirit needs. So they were prevented from going there. But in in verse 9, if I'll continue reading, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. They were prevented on one. They were led in the other. And he wasn't even in prayer. He wasn't reading the Bible. He wasn't reading all the things to prepare you for, exa- for, uh, for evangelism. What was he doing? He was sleeping. If God wants someone to be saved, you will know about it even if you are sleeping. So you can rest. Your job is to pray, Father, send the Spirit to give me boldness and let me know where and when and how I am to speak. That's pretty simple, isn't it? That is a good, good news. So the bottom line for us then is, Are we willing? Are you willing to share your faith? Are you asking the Holy Spirit who you should share your faith with? Those are the questions that you need to be asking, that we need to be asking, that I need to be asking. And I want you to know that your church board has taken up this challenge. That every board meeting at the very beginning, we are taking our own spiritual temperature saying, how concerned am I about, am I willing to share? Where is my level of willingness to share? We are talking about this every board meeting. Then we have, we have been praying and asking God, Who has God laid on our heart, each board member individually? And I know who those names are so that I can pray throughout the week and month. And then we are praying specifically in our board meetings for opportunities to share our faith. 
with those people that we feel God has laid on our hearts. I, want, I wanted you to hear that because it's not just a business meeting that we're having. Because the church is not called just for business. The church is called to share the good news that Jesus sets people free. And your church leaders are praying that God will open up those opportunities. And we've already had some opportunities to share celebrations of the way, the doors that the Holy Spirit has opened up for your board members and your pastor to share even just a little bit, maybe just that next little little step. I want you to know now, are we willing to do this together? So I want you to take out your paper. I ask you to do that. You can take your bulletin. You can take whatever you need to do. Last week I said you can write on your arm, and we had a few teenagers who took us up on that. And so, uh, you know, I hope it's still there. Uh, actually, no, I don't. Um, I hope you washed it at some point. Uh, but go ahead. I want you to write some things down. This is going to help you in this next week for your time of prayer. I want you to write down one question that I want you to ask before God each day. Am I willing to share? And if the answer is no, I'm scared to death, that's where your prayer begins. I'm scared to death. I need boldness. Pray for boldness. Take a moment and do that. So write down, am I willing to share? And that your hope is to pray for boldness. That God would put within you through His Holy Spirit a willingness to share your faith. Number two, I want you to write down, who has God laid on my heart? When you think about people who don't know Jesus, when you look at all the empty spaces that we have in this room, who could you envision sitting there? Maybe it's someone you love and care about dearly. Maybe it's your child. Maybe it's your grandchild. I hope it goes beyond your family. What about your neighbors? What about your colleagues that you work with? What about your classmates, students? Do you have friends who don't know Jesus? Would you invite them to be a part? Are you willing to say to God, give me boldness and effectiveness, freedom to to speak to them? And then write those people's names down. Whoever comes to your mind, comes to your heart. Just write them down. Maybe one, two, or three names. And then three. I want you to write down the word opportunity. And I want you to begin to pray for natural opportunities to share with this person. Now, it's not always about opening your Bible to John 3.16 and taking them through that. If the Holy Spirit opens that opportunity for you, I hope you would take it. It could be just saying, hey, I go to Cross Community Church. Would you like to come with me? I'd love for you to join me. It might be just doing something kind for them that opens up an opportunity to speak to them and get to know them. For, for me and my neighborhood, it's just been trying to be out front a little bit and, and say hello to my neighbors and get to talk with them and know about what's going on in their lives, having the opportunity to pray with them or pray for them, things that are going on in their lives. But are you willing to ask for boldness? To let God lay someone on your heart and then pray for the opportunity to share. That's your part. That's our part together. And we want to do this because we want to see people set free by the power 
of Jesus. Amen? So, what if? Let's go back to our quote. What if is the beginning of every what? Fear. We've had a lot of those. The second part of the quote is why I love it so much. What if is the beginning of every fear, but it is also the beginning of every hope. And that is true as well, isn't it? I mean, think about this for a second. What if, in what we're talking about today, what if my neighbor accepts Jesus? That is so good, isn't it? Doesn't that just give you chills, fill you with hope? What if my family returned to Christ? What if they've been drifting out there and they have, they have never been around? They have, they have wrong understanding of church and the message of the good news. What if they return to Christ? What if the Holy Spirit really changes people's lives through me, through you, in those simple conversations that you might have with them? What if is the beginning of every hope? And we have seen this as a church together. We saw this with our 10-4 vision that we launched just about, about 13 months ago. And we began to, to dream and we began to think pretty big. We started hoping that God would show us a God-sized vision that only God could do. And boy, did God come through. I mean, our fear said, what if we don't see 180 people visit? That's a lot of people. And we're hoping that 15% would stay around. But the what if of hope, because of the Holy Spirit, we actually saw 238 people come and visit, and we still retain 15% of that. That's the what if of hope. This gets us hopeful, doesn't it? Our fear says, what if we can't afford a mission trip? What if nobody signs up to go on a mission trip? But the what if of hope, because of the Holy Spirit, has 20 people leaving for Croatia in nine days. That's hope. That's what the Holy Spirit can do. And we have also prayed, what if we can't afford an associate pastor? And what if no one wants to come and join us? I mean, we're not like Malibu. It's cold like seven months out of the year. It's a big fear. But because of the hope we have in the Holy Spirit, I am excited to announce to you today that after much prayer, determination of church need, and much prayer, and development of a procedure for calling, and more prayer, and rigorous vetting, and a good interview process, and then still more prayer, I'm happy to announce to you today that your board has unanimously called Pastor Kyle Fellows and his wife Morgan and Owen to come and be our next generation pastor. Yeah. <laughs> and I I am so excited. I put that up there. We got the best. I'm telling you, it wasn't just like I mean, God the hope that comes through God, we we got the best. Their first Sunday is going to be August 25th. They have a lot to do this this summer. But I want you to know just a little bit about him. He holds a, a Bachelor of Arts and a Master of Arts from Olivet Nazarene University. He's ordained in the Church of the Nazarene. He served as a youth ministry intern for four years at Mantino Church of the Nazarene. That means he was going to school and then on the weekends was also a youth ministry intern. So it shows some stick to and some uh, loyalty. And then he has only served at one church because he has been faithful and loyal all the way through 
through that. So for the past seven years, he has served as a pastor to youth and families at Belleville First Church of the Nazarene in Illinois. It's exciting. We are calling him a next generation pastor. And we want to let you know what that means. It is not a youth pastor. It is broader than that. We are, Pastor Kyle has some great strengths in organization. And we are asking him to begin with to organize and develop a system that helps us train, call, and deploy volunteers within children's and youth ministries. So you wanna, you're going to want to connect with Pastor Kyle because he's going to want to help shape some things in you and call some things in you and help you help us achieve the mission that God has called us to. I'm excited about this. I'm excited to have some help, honestly. I mean, this is going to be good. Deidre and I are excited about this. It's going to be good. So, what can you do? You can definitely give. I want to, I want to ask you to give. We talked about this way back when we first announced this and we started saving for it. We announced a program called One of Fifty that the church had saved, had been given a great gift of $20,000. When we announced the vision, uh, another 10,000 came in on that day, and then we launched one of 50. And that means we were asking 50 people to give $15 a week, and that would help us replenish those funds and enable us to continue paying a pastor to come and serve alongside of us. And so we have all but 19 left. We have 19 more slots There's no money that comes from the district or the general church. We are adopting Pastor Kyle and Morgan and cute little Owen there. And so I'm going to encourage you, if you are not a part of our one of 50, would you be one of the remaining 19 to pledge to give $15 a week to help all of this continue? We are excited. Uh, And then, will you pray? Will you pray for Pastor Kyle? Right now, They are probably finished because their pastor wasn't as long-winded as I am. But he had to announce today that they were called here. They've been there seven years. You build a lot of relationships over seven years. So will you pray for them today that God will help their church? We don't want to rob from Belleville. We want to pray God's blessing upon them. We want them to know this isn't the end of their story. This is just a new chapter in it, just like it is for us. And so we're excited about that. Pray for them. They're preparing to move. They have a home they need to sell. They need to do some repairs on it. They've got a lot of shutting down to do in order to come this way. So be praying for that. All the adjustments of moving. New relationships. New things for, for their little baby who's three. And, uh, and then we just want to pray God's blessing over them, over this whole thing together. This is the what if of hope. And I'm excited at what God is doing here. Are you ready to let go of the what if of fear? Are you ready to pray and participate with what the Holy Spirit is going to call through? It will move your what ifs from fear to hope. Are you ready? Well, let's pray. Father, we have heard from Scripture today that it is normal for us to have our what-ifs of fear. It is part of being human. But when a human being is connected 
to the Holy Spirit, which you are more than willing to give to us. When that happens, those what-ifs of fear melt away. Fear doesn't stand a chance And we begin to see that that what-if is really a what-if of hope. And we begin to see all the possibilities of what you could do among us here. How you could help us to share our faith. How you could help us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. How we could love God with all our heart, our minds, our soul, our strength. So we pray, God, that You would come in this place. Holy Spirit, fall on Your people and call us to hope. Call us to let go of fear. To say fear doesn't stand a chance. Fear doesn't have a place. Fear doesn't get the final word because our God is sovereign. And He is calling us. And He will give us what we need for the journey, for the mission, for the hope. God, we do lift up to You right now Pastor Kyle and Morgan and Owen and the Belleville First Church of the Nazarene. We pray Your blessing upon that church. Pour out Your Holy Spirit even today, right then. May they know this is not an end, but it's simply a new chapter that You are going to write. I pray that they would lean into hope. I pray that the Spirit would lead them and help them We pray Your blessing upon Pastor Kyle as they have discerned and said yes to our call and to Your call. We pray that You would guide them and help them. We pray that they would get what they need from from their home sale. We pray that You would lead us to good movers. We pray that they would be welcomed here with open arms. And we pray Your safety on every part of this journey. Thank You, Father, for Your many blessings. You are so good to us. We pray all of these things, Father, because You were willing to give Your one and only Son as a sacrifice for us. Jesus, You were willing to give Your life on our behalf, and then You were willing to pour out the Holy Spirit upon us as a gift of power and strength and clarity. And Holy Spirit, You pour into us daily. Help us to go now to share To realize we have freely received and we are called to freely give. Go with us now in your love and your blessing and help us to turn our what-ifs of fear into what-ifs of hope because you are with us. For we pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, Amen.